beloved, you are now tuned in to Three Black Men, a podcast by three black men where we talk about theology, culture, and the world around us. The following content may not be suitable if you ain't real enough. Listener discretion is advised because real recognize real. Here's the hope when we look familiar. Welcome back uh, to Three Black Men. Uh, my name is Robert. And I'm Trey. <laughs> and we have, listen, critically acclaimed, uh, requested by our Patreon members, uh, author and public theologian, Candace Benpo. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, y'all. <laughs> when I tell you the amount of requests that we had for this um, over the past year, I'm like, yes. <laughs> Not just um, Patreons, though. Like, my wife and my daughter have been like, you should get Candace Marie Bimbo on the podcast. Like, I did, nonstop, I promise you. I will. Okay, so now that you said that, because my wife, she was like, tell Candace that me and Jasmine are big fans. So this, this is me following instructions right now. I was I'm not gonna do that. That's unprofessional. But now, now we over here doing it. There we go. See, no, it's happy wife, happy life. So you yeah, it is, man. Supposed to always do what she asks you. <laughs> right, real bad. So, right. I, so we uh, have you on to talk about your book, Red Lip Theology for Church Girls Who've Considered Tithing to the Beauty Supply Store When Sunday Morning Isn't Enough, and. Uh, before we jump into that, I want to thank you for the work that you do, how you show up uh, on social media, how you have thought and intention uh, in what you share, how you share it. Uh, yeah, and I, I think people don't thank you yeah. enough and just assume that yeah. you're resilient uh, and you get enough thanks, but uh, thank you for the work that you do. Thank you. That um, you know, I think first of all, I really appreciate that. Um, I think a lot of people don't really um we often take for granted, I should say, um, what's done to to kind of um prep the waters for spaces like these and um to um to create the kind of work that um, is needed for mm. um, for spiritual uplift and for um, and, and formation, like I think, yeah. and, and and people don't like it. <laughs> like, let's be very clear. Like, folks do not like when you suggest that there's a way forward that does not include um, centering the ideas of people who hate you, right? Mm, um, yeah. And so I guess it, it can get exhausting. Um, I definitely think this is a work that you are called to. Mm. Um, if you ain't called to it, you need to, you need to do what you're called to do because it can get, it can, it can get dicey, but I, um, I'm always grateful when people recognize what it takes to do 
what it is that that we know and believe we've been called to do yeah you exist in this space in which you are a child of the church and have been thoroughly formed by the church and have a love for the church but also recognize a call to minister to people who might not be in the church right like that's correct me if i'm misspeaking at any point here i don't i don't want to mischaracterize um but one of the things that exists because it is where I'm, I'm i'm still in the church in a, a different capacity but there's also this other calling where there's more people other sheep have out who are not of this fold right and one of the things that often gets misunderstood is um, <laughs> but but sometimes what gets misunderstood or, or lost about people who operate in that space is the amount of work they put in and and the love that it's had. So even like before we hit record on this conversation, you was you was you was preaching to me in ways I didn't even tell. Like, hold on, now, so let, let, let me let us hit the button first. And you was going, <laughs> and, and I want people to recognize that even as you operate in this space that makes so many people uncomfortable or or wary of of who we are or the motivations in the work that we do, when people think chasing worldly fame like there's way better ways we could we could start our OnlyFans for all that, you know. Um, but but the the, the work that you put into this and the seriousness uh, with which you approach this calling is I think to be commended. So I, I do wanna uh, give give my commendation for that and, and let you know that I admire uh, the way that you approach this calling of yours. Thank you. Um, one thing my, I'll never forget my homegirl Deanna said to me in seminary, she said, it's not enough to answer and accept the call. We've gotta be faithful to it and- yes. And the faithfulness um, is is the is the study. It's the rigorous, um, uh, like the the turning over. I would say consistently of um, of my thoughts, of my of my frameworks, um, constantly interrogating if um, they are one inclusive enough um constantly uh interrogating my own motives to make sure that I'm not in self um doing my own work to be whole and to be well and I think a lot of people um it's very easy to make the assumption that we do this for some kind of clout like I um and it's crazy because I I don't get it <laughs> like you know like I so my blog started in 2010 and I've been I've been writing about faith um in public in public life and in the public square for 13 years this March um and I mean, where I am now is is a um, is 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 an attribute to that work, but it's not something that happens overnight, and it's not something that we are just overwhelmingly supported in. You know, right. there were years where people were like that genuinely I talk about this in the book distance themselves from me like nobody nobody gets into this work thinking that that your that your Sunday school teacher gonna be like well she is just out here just 
completely reprobate. Nobody, mm-hmm. nobody thinks that, right? We we are just doing our best to at the end of the day recognize and honor the tugging that just won't go away. Yes. Right? Like I could do something else. I get offered to do other things all the time. <laughs> and yet, even when I do those other things, because I do believe that there is um, space for us to be creative and there's space for us to explore different options and opportunities, there's still a tugging and a nudge and a nudging that I can't ignore. That mm-hmm. that I feel like if I do ignore it, I'm gonna be held accountable for that. Like, and I also believe that if I ignore it, I will live a less than satisfactory life. And I just don't want to do that. Like I, mm-hmm. I I I just I just I feel like too much is at stake in the world. Too much is at stake in my at stake when it comes to my own peace and to my own to my own health and wellness for me to reject what I know to be authentically true about me and I think that that is what a call is it's what we know to be authentically true about us like whether we can articulate it fully and and be able to have the words for it we know something is pulling us. Yeah. We know that something that's pulling us is not of ourselves. If we don't know nothing else, we know that. Like I tell people, before I knew anything, I knew I was called to words because as a little girl, I couldn't leave a piece of paper or a pencil without putting something, without letting them touch each other and write something. I knew I couldn't go a day without having written something down. So I knew before I knew I was a writer and what a writer was, I knew I was called to words and that and that words were sacred to me, right? Mm. That was the truest thing I knew about myself. So I feel like a call will always be, even when we running from it, even when we acting like we don't know it's there, even when we we in our Jonah moments where we like, well, if if I just go over here and hi, it ain't gonna, it ain't gonna come, we still know that to be true about us. Yeah. And the last thing I ever want to do is not live in a world where I don't walk in the truth of who I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I Ooh, that's what we know to be true. I, you know, so let's dive into your book. You know, you, you, you talking about your testimony right there. I, I want to say full disclosure, this is one of the few books that I had last year where I tried to do just the audible and was enjoying that so much, but it, you wasn't reading fast enough. I just, I need to write this down. So I had the audio and I bought the hardcover because so I was like, I want to experience both ways. And um, and I love this book so much. I told, <laughs> I text Trey, I said, hey, brother, it's a lot of stuff coming up for me as I'm reading this book yeah. and places I need healing in my own life. I said, hey, get this book today. <laughs> and Trey got the book, 
and finished it. I in remembered one... it. Yeah. When y'all were, yeah, I remembered it. And it came yeah. out on your birthday. Yes, so it did. Yeah, happy birthday, happy belated birthday. So it came out Thank on your you. birthday. Yeah. And I was just so, that was a part, that was a piece of our friendship uh, was, it was kind of wrapped up in this book and he got it, he read it in one day. Uh, so we could talk about it, um, literally. And so when you think about, you know, it's been one year since your your book has come out, its reception in the world has uh, stirred some waters <laughs> and <laughs> blessed a lot of people, you yeah. know, both and. Uh, what do you think about its reception in the world and uh, where we are in relation to Black women and faith right now with where your book is yeah so first of all let me just say that y'all were the first um and it's so fitting that we're doing this podcast but y'all are the first brothers that um outside of my circle that had me legitimately take in what real theology could do for men um mm. And, and so, and part of, and, and you were the first, I will say you were the first that I legitimately um, believe. Cause I mean, my homeboys, they got to say that. Like they, <laughs> like, oh, you, you better. How, how dare you not tell me how, how, how impactful this work is. Um, but, but when I remembered the, the tweets and um, from y'all and I just was like, oh wait, like, oh, dudes is rocking with this. Um, it, it really, it actually refocused, um, it actually refocused, refocused my work in a lot of ways. So I want to thank y'all for that. Um, I never, I did not have the reception of relative theology in my mind. So like when, when scripture went this is it is the truest form of exceeding man abundantly. Mm, yeah. Um someone told me and I like sat and just cried. They were like the way that you talk about sisters in the wilderness there's going to be a generation that talks about relative theology in that same mm. way. And I remember like just sitting there and just weeping. And she was like, you have done something in this book that it may take you a while to realize what you did, but it is powerful and it's transformational. And I think that part of what, what makes this book, what has allowed this book to resonate with so many people is that we've had these conversations with our friends we've had them in so on social media we've tapped them in in articles because I mean I've written some of them but to have a full-length book and even I mean you've got some black feminist writers who may do within a larger work like a chapter or two that talks about spirituality or you might see spirituality woven throughout their work but it's not a is not an, a direct theme, right? right. And so what happened with, with Red Lip Theology was that it was the it was the first book for a lot of us of our generation 
that was steeped in the experience of Black women of faith and, a, and, and to a much larger extent, a Black millennial faith experience, right? And like, what does it mean when we're at a moment where we get to articulate what our experiences look like and what what's necessary to move forward. So I'm really honored that um, Rella Theology got to got to kind of lead the charge for sisters in that way. Um, you know, I love my I love my um, my editors and my publishing house. Cause they, I mean, they saw what was coming on the landscape and they allowed, they were like, look, we put it out in January. The date actually moved. Um, because they were like that moment of of this work being able to be pioneered first. Um you it you deserve it because of the work that you've done beforehand. And I think, I think um strategically. I was kind of antsy and then when it came out and I was like no like it you know it's okay to it's okay to like you know <laughs> to like to acknowledge that you kind of like beget some of this right like it's it's okay to it's okay to to stick a flag and I think that that's I think when I wouldn't have pushed myself to do that they did and then the reception um is being taught in universities and seminaries well it's taught at it's taught at my my seminary now uh my former seminary you know what i'm saying like Mm -hmm. and then it's i mean i got we got emails from professors in the united states and in the uk that said like we're teaching this like we got um there are some places on the continent of Africa that like you can't get the book shipped to um, because it's it's a U.S. print. And like we hadn't like we hadn't done like this, like global like 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 we got emails from people who were like shipping them to certain places and then like pushing them out to other places. And I was like, are you freaking kidding me? You know, like um, it it became its own like movement and moment. Um, one that I'm 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 really, really proud of and I'm really grateful for. I'm I'm I think I am most proud and most grateful that it is the story of black women like me and black women like my mom that get to be held in these same conversations like the work of Rachel Held Evans who um you know I tell people all the time Rachel introduced me to my my agent and I mean she she was one of she was one of the few white women who was like I'm in this space and I see that that too many people in this space look like me what can I do with the power and the influence that I have to amplify other voices? And she did that. Like there were there were places that um, I was largely writing for Black press. And I, you know, I write for Black press till I die. Cause that's like, I grew up on Jet, Ebony and Essence. So like that's, Come on, the, Jet. <laughs> that's Jet the Holy Trinity for me. Like, you know, I'm, I'm good. And so, um, 
I um I I would start to get like white editors reach out and I'll be like, how the hell you find out about me? And then they would say Rachel name gave me their gave her them my name and my information. And so that's what real allyship looks like. So in a lot of ways, yeah. you know, um I'm grateful for the work that that has been and and is being done through real theology. And I'm grateful that some that that black women's stories get to be seen on that level. Um because we're not just a niche, you know, like we right. like it's we we deserve to have our spiritual strivings and our spiritual conversations in conversation and in the concert of everyone else. Before Sam, Rob, and myself were podcast co-hosts, we were friends. This podcast grew out of a friendship. And honestly, it's grown into something more of a podcast. It's now a community. You can take part in that community at patreon.com slash three black men, all the way spelled out. And in that community, you'll get early access to episodes, bonus content like writings, videos, even some live conversations that you can take part in. In the event that you'd like to support us but aren't ready to commit to Patreon yet, you can submit a one-time gift via PayPal, where you'll find us at 3blackmenpodcast at gmail.com. However you choose to support, we're thankful that you did. Let's get back to the show. What point, was there like a light bulb moment or something that went off for you and like, no, this, this is ready for the world. Like the, the world is ready to receive what what is brewing here with Red Lip Theology. Um... It was after I did a lot of my own internal healing work. Um, you know, I, I I will also say that I believe that relic theology is um, still a work in progress because I am, you know. Um, and I think that, um, I mean, I look forward to um, how I revisit it in 10 years. I, I look forward to, um, I look forward to all of that. Like I, I think, I think that there, there came a time for me, once I was, once I had healed and was on the other side of a lot, um, that I was able to really honor that I was getting asked a lot of questions from sisters about how do you do this, and I think we don't, um, we don't we don't sit enough with the fact that that a lot of times sisters are asking us that because they genuinely are trying to figure out no wait like okay I hear all you saying is how did you get here you know like and 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 to to sit and try to um to not give them the feedback, to not give them, I felt like that was wrong. And I felt like um, I had a responsibility um, to add my voice in a way that allowed for it to be in the course of other Black women speaking. Like I love, I mean, I'm grateful for the work of womanists I stand on those shoulders and yet a lot of them are my mother's generation and like 
I got we we think differently about a lot. Also, I mean, there really wasn't an um another sister writing like me in the space. Like a lot of sisters who are in that space, and this is no diss to them because a lot of them I'm cool with. Um, they wrote from the the angle of becoming like they were these recovering evangelicals who Ooh. were largely in like white space and like what like how that um walking away from those spaces taught them about race and like that wasn't my experience. Like my Jesus was black in all my churches. Like, you know, like I ain't go like I ain't go to yeah. Like the only time I went to church, white people was when I went to private school, and I was like, "These are some weirdos." Like, give me Zion <laughs> missionary back to church. We're like, this, "This, this ain't happening," you know. And yeah. so, um, so my experience from them was different. And then I knew right. my experience was different. It's a whole bunch of sisters that grew up in black church and largely, overwhelmingly black spaces that was still trying to make sense of foolishness that we heard and that had kind of like pressed itself on us. And I was like, it, it matters to write and speak for them. So one of the things that, and I'll, I'll end it here, but like one of the things I think is important is um, that I learned very quickly that something isn't ready until I can release it in the world with no attachment. Um, I was nervous because it's my first book, right? Um, but I had no control or desire to control how people interacted with it. Like, if you notice, there are a lot of people who when a book comes out or a piece that comes out, and people like completely misinterpreted it or like had a a left, a whole went whole left of what they meant for it. They on like Clubhouse and TikTok and Twitter and Facebook and IG with all the threads about what they wrote, what they meant and how people, and I was like, no, like, you know, my mama told me a long time ago, don't put nothing in print that you can't stand 10 toes down on 25 years from now. And I could do that with relative theology. I also was not tethered to a particular reaction, right? So when people responded and was like, this is heresy. Okay. I mean, when folks said that when I was writing for, for myself and they say that to me all the time and the difference between a heretic and a prophet, let Bishop Eva Funder tell it is time. So you think I'm a heretic now, who knows what you're going to think in five years. But if you think that in five years, I still ain't going to give a damn. You know what I'm saying? But like <laughs> the, the, the number of people who, who also were like, yo, I read it and this is what I got out of it. And I was like, huh, I didn't even think about that. Right. Or like the way that they pushed me to reconsider things that I said, um to the ways that they helped even in spaces where the argument may not have been fully crystallized to give me another layer of understanding 
Um, that's what happens when you are not wedded to an outcome. Mm -hmm. And I knew I was okay when I wasn't wedded to how will people respond to this once they get it. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that. I I want to ask you about this, you know, this red lip theology, the framework. Um, And towards the beginning of the book, you write, red lip theology is a space in which young Black church women can sit with parts of ourselves and be honest about all of them. And within these borders, there are boundless possibilities for who we can become and how we can live into our faith. And I would love just a bit more. We've heard you talk in different spaces about why this was necessary, um, ways that maybe womanist theology wasn't hitting everything for you, um, and Black theology as a whole wasn't wasn't doing the trick. Um, so yeah, just talk a bit about this framework and how it interacts now. Yeah, so like I am, I am equally all parts hip hop and all parts black church, right? Like I um I know uh Rob Bass is easy uh it takes two like that was the first that was the first rap song I learned. I still know the words. Um I still remember my Easter speeches. Like you know like I am I am a you know what I'm saying like I'm I'm black black right like I am like I said the other day like I'm missionary Baptist black like you know like I I love that so I was dying on that one (laughs) like I'm missionary Baptist black like them niggas fought our pastor so like I like I like I'm I'm built different you know what I'm saying and so and so all of those parts were holistic and and who I am and, and what made me. And, and what I found was womanist theology and even Black liberation theology gave me language. Um, but particularly with, with womanist theology, it was this largely academic enterprise. Thank you and, for saying that. <laughs> yeah, and like the Black women who were the most formational to me and my faith weren't academics. Like they, like they didn't know these books. They probably didn't. Even, some of them didn't even know the word womanist, but they were fully womanist, right? And so, um, I'll never forget. My mama told me she was like, "You don't just go to these schools and in these classes for yourself. Like you take every other black woman who." was not given these opportunities. And I'll never forget my one of my old professors, Dr. Wortham, when I was getting a master's in sociology, he told me, he said, you don't, you don't get education for education's sake. You, you get it so that it does something. Like if you want to get, if you only want education for education's sake, he was like, get a library card. Like you could spend all day yeah. in the library and just be in there for you. He was like, but if you if you are going to dedicate years of study, thousands of dollars for education and getting degrees, it better be for something beyond your own edification. And so part of what was 
was important to me was the ability to acknowledge that work is not supposed to stop, right? Like, like we, we stand on these shoulders for a reason, right? Womanist theology exists because Black women needed a space to articulate our conditions because for as generative as Black liberation theology was and is, it didn't wholly include us, right? Um, queer theology exists because even in the most generative spaces, we are still exclusionary, right? So, so even for as grateful as I was for the work, I could be able to acknowledge that it didn't go far enough, right? That's another reason why it works to not be wedded to an outcome because I can't wait for the day somebody come and tell me relative theology don't go far enough. Yeah. Because because that day gonna come. And, and what that means is that somebody else is advancing the work and ensuring that even more people get free, right? Um, when we become gatekeepers and get offended, um, th then what we thought was that the freedom was just supposed to end with us and look like how we how we say it's supposed to look. And and I was not at all a fan of that. I think that's the hit again, that's the hip hop in us, right? That like, you know, we literally were formed in in a musical genre and culture that was created to be defiant and in opposition, right? Like, right. who in the world thought that you could literally say, fuck the police and live on a track? You know what I'm saying? Like, who, who thought that, like, you could, you, like, you had Black church folks and Black senators. You had Black senators and Black pastors steamrolling rap albums <laughs> because they were like this is so degenerative and yet so many of us were formed in the vortex of both of those spaces so so the kind of like the brash delivery like the the unapologetic uh, assuming of space um is 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 part of that for me um and I just I realized that like there comes a time when the work I mean Toni Morrison I, I wrote the book I needed to read she was like you know there comes a time when we all and it doesn't have to be a book it could be the podcast it could be the creative project but but there comes a time when you see a void and you operate within your calling to meet a need. And I saw that when it came to, to womanism. I saw that when it came to womanist theology and theological education writ large. And I wanted, I wanted to do what, um, I wanted to create what I wish I had. Um, and then also know that there would be a generation that that kind of, conversation would be normalized for. I hear that. 
let me ask you a question just as an author of this particular book that dug so deep in, into what you had to offer today. Uh, was there a particular chapter or portion of the book that you felt the greatest about, like in terms of offering like, oh yeah, like th th this is the one. And if the answer is not, not at all, then that's fine too. But like, what's mm -hmm. I think I think when I look back, we are good creation. Um, Suing God for child, so back child support. Yeah. Um, and uh, Amazing Grace for Side Chicks. I think that those are the three that like, I was like, yes. Um, and and then I think I'm most proud of the letter I wrote to my mom in the back. Um, because there was there was a need for me to um find a way that gave her the grace that offered her the grace that the whole book was giving me. Um, and his and and I think like because I like there's a part you know where like it's it's important for me to say and I do in the book like in my letter to her like my experience with the church wasn't all bad like you know like like I'm a member of a church now like you know I like I like I never I left I stepped away from the church but it's like it's like people say like it don't never leave you. Like we can't, like we literally, before we started this, you know, you ask the question, are all hearts and minds clear? Like we, we, it's in us. Like, <laughs> it's in us and it don't go nowhere. And like, I, the other day, I'm going to tell you, Robert, I want to say it was the day before, um, our, uh, the, the day before your birthday. So I want to say it was Tuesday. Um, you you put up the the tweet of like I'm still trying to figure out how to raise my Ebenezer, and, like, <laughs> and then you have the funny part was like the two white people that came on there to tell you what it mean, what it means to raise. I was like, hold up, <laughs> like relax. <laughs> I do be reading y'all exactly, <laughs> but that night was so heavy for me. Um. Mm -hmm. So I'm I'm in the middle of this fast um, with with like over three thousand other sisters and brothers and family um, across the across the world actually the okay God um, so listen fast and this week has been heavy like it it's it's been a it's like it's been heavy and and you said that but what was so funny is before I saw that tweet I was like. I just need to hear some hymns and um, I have a prayer candle and I brought the prayer candle from my, from my ancestral altar and put it on my, um, on my uh, nightstand and I turned the lights off and I, um, I found an HBCU choir that was singing come that found every blessing and then I put on, um, I have recorded on my phone when one of the sisters at my old church saying, great is thy faithfulness on, um, on a communion Sunday. And I just laid there. Then I Googled, um, I went on YouTube and found an old like three hour Kojic um, choir med medley of like 
old hymns and old choir songs. And I said, and I, that's how I went to bed. Like I, I prayed <laughs> and I was like, God, however you got to help me get through the night, like help me get through the night and see the morning. And I woke up um, at like two and blew out, blew out my candle because my prayer candle was still lit. And then I went back to bed and woke up and was meeting the sun and on Wednesday. I was just like, thank you. And I say all that to say, because I know what, what I need when I am in those moments because of what it was put in me as a little girl, right? So, so part of why those particular chapters are the most endearing for me as an author was because they really let me um, get into the crux of the theological arguments of why I love God so much and why the church still matters to me and why um, and what makes me hopeful about shifts in our theological framework and how they how they can lead to greater wholeness. Yeah. Mm, I love that. Last question I have is, uh, you know, thinking about the God who whom you have come to know, right? And, you know, and getting to know better. Um, I, I'm curious, um, in thinking about Black women, we, we know the violence, uh, both physically and digitally, and digitally that Black women face. And you have this framework to include all sorts of Black women at the table. And I'm thinking about Meg the Stallion and the violence against her. Do you have like a something on your heart of what you would say to Black women uh, in this hour? I mean, you you do every day when you tweet, but what's on your heart currently? We are already overcomers. Um, like I think, I think, um, I think as Black women, we we believe too often that we gotta strive to a certain point, and when we get there, then it's like, yes. And don't get me wrong, like I, I I believe in in setting goals and I believe I believe in the importance of achieving it of a of headed to a certain destination. Like I think that that matters. And I also recognize what it means to sit in the truth that I have won already. Like there's like, Lucille Clifton is not lying when she says, come celebrate with me. That every day something has tried to kill me and it has, it has failed. failed. Yeah. Like every single day that, that we wake up as black women, there is a force in this world uniquely designed and crafted to kill us and somehow we make it through the day it doesn't mean that we don't make it through the day broken it doesn't mean that we don't make it through the day frustrated it don't mean that we don't make it through the day 
barely hanging on and all of those ways that we we make it through the day and less than our best selves require us to fight for the humanity and dignity of sisters like we got to do that and we got to celebrate that somehow we made it to see the sun the next day like you know my one of my homegirls says it like the shit says, you know, the sun is coming out in the morning and I'm going to go to bed and meet and, and Lord say the same, I'm going to meet the sun in the morning. And when, and when that sun comes, so do new mercies. Um, but so does the fact that I survived a hundred percent of my worst days. So when I woke up Wednesday morning, I was like, I got another day that I survived banked right so so when that next day comes where it's heavy I know I'm I know I made it through another heavy day the last time Mm -hmm. and I just I want us to I want us to always remember that we overcome we've overcome already like Mm -hmm. we're winners already um yeah, that that's when you asked me that question. That was that was literally. I hope that made sense, but um, it did. It was, yes, it was what was right here. Yeah. All right. Well, Miss Candace Marie Bimbo, we want to thank you so much for taking this time to speak with us on today. As I listen to you in this moment, I'm reminded of the fact that uh, the Bible tells us that where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Right. We, mm. our, our whole theme this uh, season on Three Black Men is about liberation. And I want to let you know that you embody such a freedom, such a liberation in your very presence, the way that you carry yourself, the way that you okay. speak. Mm. That um, I, I, I can literally feel the spirit of God in you trying to lose some things. Um, and I appreciate that in the way because I've been really thinking about what it means to, to love well, right? And the, the mm. most succinct way that I can put it is that uh, love is the commitment to wholeness. Yes. And and I, I want you to know, um, and, and I hope you feel affirmed to me saying this, that um, in this moment, in, in, in this conversation with us, that you have loved well. So oh, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. And I, I want to thank y'all. Um, is I'm, I'm actually... Uh, working on a piece um this for for this month for my column and it's basically asking the question will 2023 be the year of spiritual um awakening for black men um simply because of all of the things that happened last year and the and the climate <laughs> um you know of of where we are um that there has to be a return to spirit of a spiritual center um and for brothers and i want to i want to publicly thank you all for for embodying what that looks like um you know too many too too often um it is it, it is assumed that you can't be whole and healthy um, and, and be a Black man who 
is in touch with emotions and feelings and be considered whatever the heck this means, a man's man, right? In our in our community. Um, and eat and what I am learning and what I'm understanding with my own, with with the black men in my own family is that even as I just did that, like whatever that means to some brothers that matters, right? And and that, and as long as they feel like they can connect with you and they will hear you, right? And I appreciate you all being brothers who um, have not thrown the west the rest of them away. Um, I think we live in a world um, where black men are so easily discard disposable, mm-hmm. and I think that um, what I'm trying to work through in my own work. Um, is that I that I believe a great amount of the angst that brothers have currently with sisters is them trying to articulate but being ineffective in articulating it, lighting it, their frustration and their anger around feeling disposable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and that in a moment where we hear, and we should hear, trust black women, believe black women, support black women, all of these things, there is whether it is whether it is it is real or not. Um, for a lot of brothers, there is a real tension around feeling invisible and feeling yeah. lost. And and they don't have all the words for it. And sometimes the words that come out their mouth Jesus. make you want to <laughs> shove them right back down. <laughs> but and I can't I can't do that work with them. I can love them, I can support them, I can tell like with my cousins, I can tell them, get your shit together. I love you, but you you not right. But but they need brothers that walk it in a way that they can see and y'all walk it in a way that they can see and so um I hope that even when it feels like it's for naught um I hope that you know you know that the work that you guys are doing um it, even though you might have a lot of white interloopers <laughs> and and um who Ooh, feel like yeah. right like who who feel very um and I'll say this like they're a lot of times they feel like they have like that we belong to them um in a way that we do not and 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 that gives them a certain level of familiarity with them that we have to be like don't get that familiar. Um, I hope that I hope that you can be in those moments and in other moments where it gets frustrating. I hope you can be affirmed in the fact that you are doing this in a way that brothers can see a new and a different possibility and reality for themselves. And we need that now more than ever. So thank y'all. As much as y'all gave me my flowers, I want to give y'all y'alls and thank y'all for the work that you do 
to show us what's possible for Black men. Mm. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Amen, amen. Hey everyone, it's Faith Brooks here. I'm so excited to let you know that my new book, Remember Me Now, A Journey Back to Myself and a Love Letter to Black Women is now available wherever books are sold. So go ahead and get yourself a copy, share it with a friend, and I am just so excited for you to get this book into your hands and I can't wait for all of us to be able to talk about it soon. appreciate you rocking with us for another episode of three black men here's the part of the show where we ask a favor from you now earlier i mentioned a couple of ways that you can support us by joining our community over at patreon.com slash three black men we have multi-tiered support options and you can get bonus content if you don't want to do that you can submit a one-time contribution by finding us on paypal at three black men podcast at gmail.com but we ain't here to tap your pockets Here's a few ways that you can help us out without spending a single dime. You can stop what you're doing right here, right now, and make sure that you've left us a review and a rating. Don't just give us the five stars. Go ahead and write out how much you love this show and tell everybody about it. Do it on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you at. Make sure you leave that rating and a review, and that's going to help even more people join the fun over here. Thank you so much. I knew God loved you for some reason.